Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Hi, thanks so much for joining me. This is Dr. Fred. Last week, I published three articles, and I've got them linked in the transcript, All the Lies, Blind to Truth, and Death of Human Conscience. Well, those three articles actually lead up very nicely, in my opinion, to what this particular article slash episode is about, reprobate minds. There are two main definitions for the noun reprobate. They are a depraved, unprincipled, or wicked person, and a person rejected by God and beyond the hope of salvation. Now, the first definition applies to the person from the way God sees them. They are There are people in this world who are extremely depraved, unprincipled, and just wicked. And because of that, they wreak havoc on other people in their sphere of influence. And the more powerful the person is, the greater the damage done to others. And these reprobate people have no shame. And the whole of their life is lived with them squarely at the center. Everything revolves around them. Everything they do for themselves, for their own betterment, everything, and in many ways, these people can easily become sociopathic or even psychopathic because they not only don't care how their efforts negatively impact others, but they can also arrive to a point where they begin to have a godlike attitude about themselves and thoroughly begin to enjoy the misery that they bring to others. Now, this type of person, according to the second definition above that I mentioned, is quite often beyond the hope of salvation, unfortunately. God ultimately will come to a point with them where he will turn his back on that individual as a reaction, by the way, to their own continued choices of effectively rejecting God. Now, while the first definition above shows us how God sees people like this, the second definition applies to how God deals with them. It's really a form of judgment because they resolutely and repeatedly turn their backs on God and remain that way for the remainder of their lives. God will eventually simply honor their wishes and give them over to themselves. And at such a point, they become completely lost in their own growing pervasive evil, unable to determine right from wrong, and end up immersing themselves fully in whatever evil they can conceive. The Psalms tells us that these evil people lay on their beds trying to think of more evil to do. And they will certainly join in with others who are of the same mindset. So it appears that each person has the responsibility of whether or not to seek God, which hopefully for them leads to their being saved by him. Now, if they reject God repeatedly throughout this particular life, then God will ultimately turn them over to what they are asking for, which is a reprobate mind. The constant refusal of the person to acknowledge God's existence leads to a seared conscience and a reprobate mind. I'd like to be clear here, though, in stating that it is impossible for us 
to know when a person reaches such a state. We can't see their heart. We don't know what's going on thoroughly inside them. That's God's domain. Now, while we might tend to judge by outward appearances, judging their words and their works, we do not know the true condition of their heart. And simply saying that there is a point that can be reached by a person at which point God turns them over to themselves. I'm simply saying that that will come for many to most people. We do not know when that point is for anyone, though. That is God's sole determination. Now, in Romans 1, the Apostle Paul tells Roman believers how much he longed to visit them. And in fact, he was hopeful that he had actually found a way to go to Rome. Verse 10, he looked forward to a mutually beneficial meeting spiritually, where they would sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron. So starting in verse 16 of Romans 1, Paul proclaims that the just shall live by faith, which of course means the more we live by faith, the stronger our faith becomes. Then in verse 18, Paul gets right into one of the main reasons he wrote to them. Paul is anxious to remind them that God's wrath is and will be revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. It will happen. And ultimately, I think he's referring to our Lord's physical return and the seven years just prior to that unbelievably glorious event. However, we see his judgment first occurred during the days of Noah, don't we? And then again, during the days of Lot, God will only put up with so much and then he will step in to deal with it. But it's interesting because in both the days of Noah and Lot, only the judgment during Noah's day dealt with the entire population of the world at the same time, completely. The wrath God later poured out on Sodom and Gomorrah was localized because it was only affecting the twin cities of the plain, not the entire world. However, there is a day coming, and probably not far into the future, when God will step directly into human history as God, King, Lord, and Judge. And he will pour out his judgment onto the earth because of all the unabated and growing wickedness that exists due to the tremendous amount of people in society throughout the globe with reprobate minds. Paul is clear in Romans 1 that people have no excuse for not believing in God because God's attributes, excuse me, attributes are clearly visible to all people throughout creation if they are willing to see and accept it. Unfortunately, as we know, most are not, and they prefer to come to a point where they no longer even think of him. Romans 1.21 states sadly this, Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So it's interesting because Paul says they knew God. What did he mean? He didn't, he was, they weren't in relationship with God, but they certainly knew of God because creation itself speaks and points to God. So notice that Paul says, in our heart of hearts, we know that God exists. However, to refuse to acknowledge this fact will cause people to come to the point where their thoughts are absolutely futile and their hearts 
become darkened, devoid of any lighter truth that can and will point them to God. Verse 22 in Romans 1 tells us the natural result of this is to start worshiping things that God made, animals, birds, etc. And then they'll even resort to creating gods that are made of clay and metal that have no capacity to speak, breathe, or move. And people prefer these types of quote-unquote gods with a little g because they control them. They actually have power over them. Verses 26 and 27 of the same Romans 1 chapter tell us what happens to people who do this. Listen to this. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. So in other words, once God gives them up to their inner vile passions, their affections become thoroughly warped and they start lusting after people of their own gender, among other things. This is a natural reaction to rejecting God and God giving that person what they truly want to have an experience. Not homosexuality necessarily, not lesbianism, not transgenderism, but that's included. What God is giving that person over to is a reprobate mind where evil reigns. These are all unnatural from what God created. It is part of the downward progression that Paul describes above in throughout the chapter. But it is not only the aspect of that progression, though. It is, it is including the movement toward legitimizing adult and child sexual relations and generally by way many in the world think and pursue wokeness. It's pretty sad. So Romans 1, 28 through 32 tells us the conclusion, the natural conclusion of this serious downward slide. Listen to what Paul says. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased or reprobate mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. So I think that's interesting. He isn't just talking about homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism, but certainly it's included. But look at what else he names. Sexual immorality of all sorts, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, etc., etc., etc. This is what people turn themselves into by their constant, constant rejection of God. It's a tragic picture, isn't it? But this is what exists in society right now as people have become unhinged because 
the Supreme Court recently decided to simply send the Roe v. Wade decision back to the states where it should have always been. The Tenth Amendment of the Constitution of the United States of America essentially states that anything not specifically delineated in the Constitution gives power to the individual states. But way back in the the 1970s, it was an activist Supreme Court that made a decision they had no right to make regarding abortion. They essentially set the Tenth Amendment aside and decided, well, we're going to make a federal statute. It's going to become law. So what they did was they gerrymandered regarding abortion, and it became law of the land based on that faulty decision. And now the left is going haywire, violently protesting, and crying streams of tears over the quote-unquote fact that their quote-unquote right to an abortion is now gone. It's not gone. It's simply now under the auspices of each state to decide where it should have always been. Abortion will always be available in America until Jesus returns. Apparently, though, what I find interesting is that it's only my body, my choice when women want to abort their child, they're caring. It has nothing to do with any other health issues like whether or not to take a vaccine. But on the upside, at least we finally have the definition of a woman back in circulation, don't we? But consider the fact that these people on the left are crying and even violently angry over the perceived belief that they can no longer kill unborn children. There is something seriously wrong with that. Do you think it's the result of reprobate minds? It's as though birth control does not exist. And the only way they can cease to be pregnant is by aborting. That's it. That's all they think about. Rape is certainly something that needs to be dealt with, obviously, but the percentages of rapes that occur that result in pregnancy are extremely small when compared with the number of women who actually use abortion repeatedly as their primary means of birth control. And what's interesting here is by the fifth week after conception, a baby's heart starts beating. Fifth week, maybe fifth to the eighth Some say it's the fifth, some say it's the eighth week, somewhere in there. The growing child can feel pain from 12 weeks, or some will say, no, it's 18 weeks. Others will say 20, some will say 26. The reality is the nerves are created and working. These monsters on the left, though, couldn't care one iota about these two facts. And they continue to push the idea that it's not a baby and it's not human. I guess it's not until it's actually born, and only then if the mom wants it. They want the freedom to kill whatever they do not want. And globalists, of course, support abortion because they want this world to be far less populated than it is now or will be. So what we are seeing today is the result of people who have spent their lives fully rejecting God. God is now being in the position of rejecting them and giving them over to themselves and their ever-increasing vile passions so that their, their reprobate minds are fully developed within them. And that, that is going to happen for these people. They will increasingly become more evil as time goes on. This is what society at large 
is now becoming. The idea that we can go back to what we had in the 1950s, 60s, or even the 70s, if only we had the right leader leading us, is not reality. The only leader, capital L, who will make any permanent difference is Jesus himself. Between now and then, between now and the time he returns, while there may be brief respites from evil here and there, it seems clear to me from a biblical perspective that the world is quickly hurtling toward judgment. I I see no way it can be avoided. There is too much corruption in the federal government and in people in general. There is too much puerile interest in dominating children sexually. There is way too much lack of concern about one's actions and how they affect others. This decidedly spiral, downward spiral toward the abyss is the natural progression of a society that rejects God in a wholesale manner. People on social media shed tears of anger and are spluttering while peppering their speeches with some of the most foul language you can ever hear, and a stated desire to be violent toward anyone who stands in their way and keeps them from killing the unborn child they're carrying. They're all very base, and they have lost the ability to think clearly and rationally because their consciences are seared. These people have literally lowered themselves to the point where most animals are now above them because animals live by instinct. Animals kill to eat or when threatened. Otherwise, they tend to leave other animals and people alone. Today's average person is so far gone that even the mention of God or especially the name Jesus will cause them to react with angry rhetoric and a serious desire to harm the person who utters the name of Jesus. And based on this, I can only wonder... How far away are we from a total and complete breakdown in society wherein any authentic Christian is seen as the enemy that must be purged from that society? Can, can it really be that far away? Well, rather than leave this on a down note, let's focus on the fact that God is still in charge. He is still on the throne. And what is happening in society is happening because it must happen in order for him to ultimately return to the earth in victory as owner, king, and judge. I am all for that, and I hope you are too. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And until we meet again, I pray that God would open your eyes to show you how blessed you are in him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical, conservative perspective. 